0: Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing and mind-numbing. Enjoy. Did you ever watch the Twilight Zone? Remember the Twilight Zone with Burgess Meredith? Remember, he he, he he loved to read, and there was a nuclear war, and he had no friends anyway, and he was oh, down man, on the, face on the, the glasses. The... What about the mannequins that got two weeks off and turned into humans, and they were allowed to go out and shop for two weeks on their own, and then this one came back, and it was over two weeks, and the other mannequins went, come over here for a minute, and turned it into plastic? You, you want to see something really scary. Welcome, folks, to this special edition of the Zoning Out Podcast. It's your old buddy, Frank Bonacci, joined by Chris Feinstein, John Sachs, and Justin Feinstein. We're trying a little something different today. Uh, Since before we even started this show, we wanted to have guests and interviews. But since this is a lot of us, including myself's first podcast experience, we wanted to get our feet wet and, you know, not fumble the ball so much. We were talking about having guests on and certain guests we'd like to have on. But then something happened last week that... We, as people who've all worked in the film business, were stunned by. It was like watching the most amazing play in a game that you weren't even for, for a team you weren't following. But it was just such an amazing play that you go, holy shit, what the hell just happened? We were always we were all following the movie, Terrified. And like, you know, uh, uh, some of the, the people involved are on my social media. And uh, of course, we all work for Bloody Disgusting. So, of course, there was a buzz about it. But we, you know, it wasn't like, so we just want to see, we're like, and I was, I'd seen Terrifier, really liked it. And I was like, oh, we'll see what happens. We, nobody was expecting like what happens where this film opens number four in the box office, uh, does the kind of business doing it right now. It's in its, as of the time of recording, it's in its second week and it in less theaters and made more money, which is the most insane thing I've ever heard of. So we, reached out to somebody involved with the film who's uh here with us today but first let me talk about me seeing the film so this is the first time i've gone in a long time guys to a non-alamo theater and i felt like a goddamn peasant <laughs> i was like what is this what is- <sighs> what kind of food is you have here and the- uh, and they had this pre-show. So two things happened that really set this, the screening off on a bad foot. Don't worry. It, it turns out good. They show, they had this 30 minute pre-show and I'm programmed by Alamo to get there 30 minutes before the movie. Cause they always show something cool and themed to the movie. So like a, like a good boy, I show up a half hour. Plus I need to get there early. Cause you know, I'm, I have problems. And so they saw this pre-show of a bunch of ads and stuff, but it's all done with young hit presenters in the cadence of a vlog. And, and the kids like the kids like doing it are like their delivery is more robotic than Amy, the gorilla in Congo. And so I'm watching it, and I'm like really depressed watching this. I'm like, Oh wow. I feel old. But then something happens where I really feel old they show fathom events has a trailer for bram stoker's dracula they're going to show bram stoker's dracula and i'm like oh boy that's a good movie the 30th anniversary and i went wow I, what what i went what what's the... oh my life! my hands they're old i i feel like the guy at the end at uh, end of in last crusade what's happening to me uh so I, I, I the movie starts and I feel really sad, miserable, and old. And then, within a couple minutes, uh, the movie makes me feel like a kid again. It's the first eight minutes, the first like right before the pre-credits pre-cre- teaser or cold open, whatever you want to call it. You know you're in good when you're watching a good movie. You know you're in good hands. It's like oh, you know, especially in this age of streaming where it's just like you have so many options. It's like, you know, you're flipping through channels. It's like, I'm like an old producer now. Just like, you got five minutes, kid. Dazzle me. And the film dazzles right from the start. This is the first film. Like, I felt like the fat kid that was reading Gore Zone back in the day with no friends. And you're reading the spreads on movies like Brain Dead. Like, where it's like, oh, there's that crate. They're going to have, apparently there's an uncut version of the guy pulling the brain out of his ear scene. And like, tape trading days back. Like when you see the, in the catalogs on uh, magazines like Fangoria, or Gorezone, like for movies like uh, the beyond or cannibal Holocaust or uh, what's it called? The guinea pig Trill, the guinea pig series out of Japan or like uh, the burning moon, just like movies like that, where you go, Whoa, I shouldn't be watching this. I, I was blown away by that aspect for it from it, but I was not prepared by how much heart the film had uh, and how the, the cast from top to bottom is top shelf. I was, the the cast is fantastic. I mean, I, when I'd seen the first, uh, terrifier, I said, I knew this kid had chops and I knew this film, like that film had an amazing amount of polish for a $35,000 film. Uh, I believe the budget's significantly more. We'll ask our guests in a moment. And, but the, like the, the growth from film to film is extraordinary. It's like on a whole level that I was just not prepared for. If you don't, if you don't realize by now, I love the fucking movie. And I always say this, like when I talk about horror, what makes a good movie? What makes Jaws a great movie? You take out the shark, you're still left with a good movie. Like a great movie. It's a, and that's how I felt with this. Like, you know, I could watch a drama about this, this, this family. And their, like, you know, their the world they live in. And Art the Clown doesn't even have to show up. And at one point I was hoping he wouldn't because I was so afraid for these people. And more <laughs> so than in any film that I've seen in a long time where I, I, I winced. I'm a 43 year old man who seen it all, who hates, who looks at the mirror and spits every morning. You know how hard it is to move me and to make me feel something? This movie made me feel something, damn um, Then that, there's that aspect. There's the indie aspect of it. There's the film's great. But my favorite aspect of this film is that it's made by a bunch of Staten Island mo's. I am so <laughs> happy that we finally made it, in America. Oh, and it is with that, I'd like to I have the incredible honor to welcome our guest, one of the producers of the film and founder of, uh, one of the founders of Fuzz on the Lens Productions, Mr. Michael Levy. Michael, thank you so much for coming on.
1: <laughs> I'm honored to be here today with you and um, to chat with you today about Terrifier and Fuzz on the Lens and, and everything else you want to talk about. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that we're from Staten Island, too, and, uh, you know, uh puts that island on the map a little bit in a positive
0: way. I mean, uh the, the favorite son up to this point was was uh Mike Bichetti. Now, I'm a big fan, I'm a friend of Mike's <laughs> for years, but you know, <laughs> Mike's a great guy. <laughs> He's a great Oh, he says hi by the way. I talked to him because I was looking around because I you know, we were prepping for this interview and it's weird. If you look at our, like we're on your Facebook friends of mine and I don't know if we've met, I maybe we have, but it's just like you have like a lot of friends in a lot of different quadrants of my life. Like, you know, Marcus, of course, and, uh, and, you know, Mike Buschetti. And those are like two separate things in my right. life. And it's just like, wait, how do you know? Like so many like people in my
2: like world, the Staten Island connection. That's so wait, small Island.
0: Wait. So uh, where, where did you go to high school?
1: I went to Monsignor Farrell high school. Yeah. So okay.
2: did I, which is um, interesting.
0: Have you seen Terrifier 2 yet?
2: I haven't. Unfortunately.
1: Well, yeah. So Farrell's in it. Oh, really? The school that 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 yeah, it's the school, it's the family school that they go to. It's Farrell, yeah.
2: Holy shit! No, so yeah, I'm, going, I'm going this week. I just had a newborn, so I haven't been able to. I, to I, I, did, I I could
1: feel know. that. I
0: have a, a six month old now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so get... Yeah, well, his is like a few weeks, so he's like old. Jam- uh-huh. like, yeah, like, yeah. He can't come up for air. This poor guy. Yeah, no. I
1: can sympathize. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm, like, I'm coming out the other end. I feel now. So
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: yeah. Chomping at the bit to get there.
0: They're suicidal lumps for the first six months. They're just trying to get themselves hurt and they can't really move on their own.
2: <laughs> it's a real problem.
0: Yeah, discovering. Oh, uh, that's the other thing about the film. Dude, the Staten Island, every time I, dude, uh, Sienna's house has the most Staten Island kitchen. <laughs> I was, so- I was, oh, I was like so happy. I was like, look at that kitchen. It looks like their kit, the ki- uh, Chris Feinstein here's yeah. kitchen growing. Up. I was like, that's your- <laughs> I was like, <laughs> It's
1: funny because uh, a lot of people are commenting, too, on Sienna's mom. And they're all like, if that dialogue is not the most Staten Island mom. <laughs> and, like, oh, my God. Staten island. Uh, you know, and a lot of us are from Staten Island. I'm from Staten Island. Um, my two producing partners, one's my brother, Jason Levy and Steve Della Sala from Staten Island. Our cinematographer, George Stubers from Staten Island. Damien Leone, the director from Staten Island. Oh, I Both love own it. Has Staten Island Connect. So a lot of us are, are all from the island.
2: Yeah, it's nice to see a win for the home team.
1: Right. And a lot of locations, we shot a ton of the movie on Staten Island, as you know, you've pointed out. And um, most of our locations were either Staten Island, uh, upstate New York. We did some stuff in Philly and maybe the club sequence was in Newark, I believe, or Trenton. It was like some I think it was Newark. So, yeah. But for the most part, it's you know, it's all like right here, homegrown. Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. You know, it makes me great because I worked in production for a lot of years. I used to do grip and electric before I started doing my own stuff. And uh, everybody you meet in productions from somewhere else. And every now and again, we'd have a production go on Staten Island. And these fucking interlopers would come in and just shit talk the borough. I'm like, you're from Chicken yeah. Gizzard County, fucking Ohio. What the hell do you have to say about anything? <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm proud of Staten Island, man. Me
0: too, maybe. I, you know, and
1: I, I think Staten Island has a great ton of uh locations and you know absolutely anywhere in the world i always say it's kind of like a giant back lot and we have parking we're the only spot in the city the entire city that you can actually park and and, you know get your crews in and out nice and easily and don't have to worry about all that chaos so i I love shooting on staten island any chance i get
0: yeah it's great um how did fuzz on the how did you guys start uh, fuzzing the lens
1: yeah so um it's funny because you know i've always been making films. Um, Since I was younger with my brother, I can remember stealing my mom's camcorder and running around and, and, and making movies. And, you know, that kind of continued through high school where I was a part of Farrell where I was a part of uh, WFBN TV for anybody who's listening and might know Farrell uh, was the anchor there and would do skits every morning and um, my other producing partner that I actually went to grammar school with and high school and college Steve Della Sala, we would just do skits we would do little short films And there was an ongoing joke at one point where um, we didn't call ourselves anything. It was just, we were just making movies, friends making films, uh, where there was actually a fuzz on the lens as we were recording. And a friend of ours turns the camera and says, hold on, we're in the middle of a shoot. There's a fuzz on the lens. He's blowing in the camera. This all is recorded. We still have the footage, blowing in the lens, cleaning it with his shirt and um, realizing after a half hour of doing this and it's all being recorded that we were actually schmucks. It was smudge on the viewfinder, not a fuzz on the lens. But it became an ongoing joke that every time we were shooting something, it was like, make sure you check for that fuzz in the lens, make sure you check for that fuzz in the lens. And then eventually when we decided to, you know, move to being more professional, um, we said, hey, what are we going to call ourselves? And naturally, it was like, hey, why don't we call ourselves fuzz in the lens productions? And it just kind of caught steam from there. Um, but again, kind of the traditional route of, of of doing stuff to entertain ourselves, and then moving into short films, and then festivals, and then kind of into feature films. And I went to St. John's University actually, and, and got a degree in television and film. I got a minor in business, um, and you know, just kind of grew that way, just very organic and kind of the traditional route, I guess.
0: So you guys, like, were you working like uh, you and your brother? Did you ever like work in like production? Like, see, I went through the grind of like working. G and and just like taking jobs as they come for a lot of production. Did you yeah. have to, did you do um, that route a little bit? We,
1: we, we did, but not as much as I maybe should have, you know, we just said, Hey, we want to do this ourselves. We don't want to have any bosses. We don't want anybody to tell us what to do yeah. and did that. <laughs> that. And for better or for worse, um, you know, that's kind of the route we took. We wanted to work on our own stuff and, and, and learn that way. Maybe it took a little longer to learn than, you know, cause being on a film set, there's, I mean, just so much you can get. <laughs> That, you know, I, I went on, I worked on a film called Fear Clinic. And I remember being there, my first feature film, um, and just learning so much in that short span of, of, of being involved in the production that I had an entire four years of going to school to do it. So I think that it's important, I think, to do that. But again, it's just kind of a matter of the route you want to take? Do you want to do your own stuff more or do you want to kind of get a network? And so we didn't as much, but we have, and believe it or not, we still work on other projects now, and probably more than then, you know, we'll work on friends projects or friends of friends. If they ask us to come in and PA and or whatever, you know,
0: that's great. Cause I went through the grind of like working like in, like, you know, the, just the indie scene. And I'll tell you right now, you did the right, you made the right call. It was a complete waste of time. It's like it was aside from just aging me 10 years and disillusioning me to like the business. Uh, you did the right thing. You made the right, if you ever worried like okay. I'm I, from the other end of that, you made the right call. Uh, I eventually <laughs> had to walk away. Cause I was just like, this sucks. This is not what I got into this business for. And, uh, and now I do podcasting. So I've gone out of it all together, but anyway. <laughs> so you know, what makes me happy about your guys work, what you, the way you guys do things is when you look at the crew credits and And this is how it should always be on these smaller things. And you again, you don't see this like in like indie, like films that I used to work on, like for films with smaller budgets. Like everybody wearing a lot of hats. You, your brother, and your other partner. I just see like it's just like your every other credit. And it's great. And it's 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 great to see that that's how you guys do it. Like in a lot of films that I've worked on, it was just like Hey, the art department, needs help. Well, that's their problem. You know what I mean? It's just like, no, everybody's very regimented. It's and funny kept...
1: you say that because I actually worked on a couple of other bigger projects, like you said, and I got in trouble for like lifting up an Apple box and moving it to like another <laughs> spot as someone had a things. And they says, no, that's not your job. And I, they didn't know I was a producer on that project. And I, I headed out with one of the person. I says, well, you know, I said, first of all, don't treat me that because they were berating me not knowing who I was. I said, you don't know who you're talking to number two. I said, second of all, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. You never talk to somebody like that. So third of all, I'm trying to help yeah. you say, thank you. And, you know, I say, I understand there's these depart, department things. I said, but we're also human beings here. And if I'm trying to help you, you know, you should, you should, you know at least be thankful for it. And I, I that to me I never understood that whole segregated. I mean, I get it. I guess maybe on bigger things, they don't want something goes wrong. They want to know who to blame maybe. Right. Um, you know, but yeah, for our productions, I mean, literally on Terrifier too, there's like eight crew members that was like there, the entire production. And most of the movie was made with like eight, four people.
2: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's you know, very, great.
1: very. And maybe that's partly why it took three years to make. The <laughs> but yeah. And, and And again, like this kind of, to answer your question, a little bit before about building up the business and fuzzing the lens. A lot of it also, believe it or not, had to do with when we did the Staten Island clown thing. Yeah. Um, that really propelled us to the national spotlight uh, and really kind of marketed our company and, you know, that, hey, we could make headlines and splashes. And then we were able to get some investment in to do our first big feature, which was Abnormal Attraction, a comedy film. Oh, um, and really from there, kind of just snowballed
0: getting back to it that's what I that was where i wanted to go next abnormal attraction that is like a dream of a genre fan like like what do i want to do it's like i want to see all these different characters from fantasy and horror just in one place and and how could i do that and it's just like that's the movie it's just like it's like a love letter to genre filmmaking and it's so much fun it's and very,
1: uh, each film too like very culty genre um and the the people who are really big horror fans and fantasy fans really like it a lot and they enjoy it and then there's like the general audience that's just like i don't get it like
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's adorable and if you'd like to check that out i'm gonna plug it right now you can check it out on plex voodoo amazon prime video youtube google play and movies apple tv and tubi so i my suggestion is you get it on apple tv then if you want to watch it again get it on amazon prime then on if you want to watch the <laughs> third time, get it on YouTube. My fa- my
1: favorite is uh, if anybody is that interested and they like it after the first time around, um, we have a Blu-ray that has over 90 minutes of special features on behind the scenes of how we did it, how we made it, uh, interviews with cast and crew. And we have a really cool cast in that. Malcolm McDowell, Gilbert Gottfried, Tyler Maine, Leslie Easterbrook, Ron Jeremy makes a cameo appearance, um, Bruce Davison Academy Award nominated actor, uh, so a really fun, you know, group of talented performers that are, that are part of uh, Abnormal Attraction.
0: You miss one actor who was my heart sang when I found out he was in it.
1: <laughs> who did I miss? I'm the, sure I missed a ton.
0: Oh, the star of Buford's Beach Bunnies, Jim Hanks. Yeah, oh, you-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just got off the phone with Jim too. How could I forget Tom Hanks's brother, Jim Hanks? Uh, he's, I mean, when I close my eyes, I feel like I'm listening to Woody. Whenever he's. Uh, <laughs>
0: Doesn't he actually do the voice for Woody when he Tom's does. not available?
1: He does. And he does mostly like the video games, like Kingdom Hearts and all the Disney uh, cartoon stuff. And, and um, the toys, the, the drawstring toys, not Tom, it's Jim.
2: There's a oh, snake wow. in my boot. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's all Jim. And Jim was also the voice of Jeffrey the giraffe for Toys R Us way back. Get out of here. Yeah. Wow. And he also did some doubling, if I'm not mistaken, for when Forrest Gump was running. And the beard, that was Jim, not Tom.
0: Wow. Oh, that's amazing. That's cool. Uh, yeah, abnormal attraction. Like, the cast in that film is insane. Uh, Leslie, here's book. It was great to see her, because, you know, I always, I'm a, we're a big police academy people. Uh,
1: yeah, awesome. She's really that, a sweetheart.
0: One who did pass away is Gilbert, and that yeah, broke Oh,
1: her. that's who, yes, yes, Gilbert did. Yeah. And that uh, was, yeah, tough. That, was yeah, that was, that was, shocking. That was
0: shocking. Yeah,
2: it that was tough. A, yeah, uh, He
1: was, you know what's funny about him, he was... Uh, I met, had never met him before uh, working with him on this. And I always, everyone has that Gilbert Gottfried persona, right? Where he's like, you know, I'm Gilbert Gottfried. And he's crazy and he's cursing and it's fuck ass, um, you know, whatever. And uh, I met him and he was so quiet and shy at first.
0: He's and, like Howard's impression. If you remember old Howard Stern, that was like his impression. of him. I was like, yeah. oh, hi, Howard. It's me. Yeah, Gilbert. Like,
1: right, right. And that's how he was. He was like, oh, hi. Nice to meet you. Love the script. Uh incredible uh, I'm, I'm honored it was like such a, a shoulder shrug sunk down and all of a sudden you say action and he was like then like he'd go into it and then cut Was that okay was, oh. Like, oh my gosh like it was definitely like there was like the Gilbert Gottfried persona on stage Gilbert and then there was like real life Gilbert they were totally two different people
2: yeah he, he, ex- <laughs> he explodes into reality that guy I did a, a show with him I was I did stand up on Staten Island at uh, Uncle Vinny's that used to be a new Dorp
1: yeah and I remember
2: yeah yeah, yeah, and I did a show with uh, with Gilbert, and same thing before meeting him for the first time, I was ner- a nervous wreck, and the guy just sweetheart
1: yeah, really was
2: And when it was it came time to go on stage, he exploded onto the stage, and then afterwards, you know he came over to me and was like, "Hey, you, you mind uh, helping me out in the booth to uh, you know sell the merch? Yeah, yeah, no problem, Gilbert, I got you. And he yeah, was just just very, a sweet, sweet man.
1: sweet man, genuine guy, yeah, um, and uh, you know he's definitely missed for sure. Oh,
2: absolutely.
0: Now Terrifier 2 and uh another film were made uh during COVID and uh the other film being the dark my buddy Marcus Sabine's film Dark Offerings are available on Amazon Prime. You're welcome, Marcus. And uh, <laughs> and uh uh how did COVID affect uh this production?
1: It, uh, which one? <laughs> uh,
0: well, we know how it affected uh dark offerings. They leaned into it by making it a Zoom. Yeah, he film. did.
1: He did. Um so yeah, to touch upon Dark Offerings quick for Marcus, is that all came out because everyone was just kind of trapped in the house, right? He wanted to do something and they, they came up with this idea of doing everything through Zoom and uh, just to keep us busy. So I'm really proud of, of what Marcus did and how he actually put his head down and forced this to happen um, during a very bleak time. And, and it was fun to work on and, and challenging all the same time. So... That's your last plug, Marcus. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is wild because it it wasn't like year one and a half of the pandemic. It's like literally within like the first couple months. Yeah, it was was like. I I got a
1: call from him like it was like probably three, four weeks into the pandemic. And he was like, hey, we're writing this. We're working on this. We're doing this. Are you in? And I'm like, "Uh, sure. Yeah, let's do it. Um, And he put together a really nice cast for that too. Spencer from Ice Ice Nine Kills. Tamra Glynn and Eileen Dietz from the Exorcist and and Felissa Rose from Sleepaway camp he he really put together a, a nice cast and, and pulled this off in a very quick amount of time
0: yeah um, uh, Paul Sheehan, who's great as Connor yeah. McLeod yeah
1: yeah yeah everybody really brought their a game and that was a fun project to work well on.
0: somebody else is in the film and oh, Terry, Terry, Vin- Terry no, no his name who plays the character Peter Vincent jr oh <laughs> And does. So Michael Levy, uh, you, uh, you uh, play the uh, Peter Vincent Jr. And if you don't know, Peter Vincent is the character in the movie Fright Night, uh, one of the best movies ever. If you haven't seen it, what are you doing? Uh, And you're Roddy McDowell like you do an incredible Roddy McDowell in the film. (laughs)
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was he just came with this idea. And he says, you know, I want to pay homage to Peter Vincent and uh, Roddy McDowell. And um, this is your character. And he kind of tells the story. And for me, it's like, as, as much acting as I do, it's really hard for me to memorize lines. Like, I'm always kind of going off things. And, and of course, I get the script. And it is pages upon pages upon pages of literally, you know, explaining the entire thing that's going on. And I'm like, oh, my God, uh, this is going to be challenging. Um, so Yeah, you're
0: the expositional character. It's all exposition. Yeah.
1: Everything is exposition in mine, And that is like my weak point. Like, <laughs> like, it's pages. But, you know, it was definitely a fun challenge for me personally to do. And I was happy to take it on. And, um, you know, I- I'm proud of definitely proud of the work that we did with that. And, and, you know, for, for Marcus, I, I definitely commend him and applaud him for, for putting it all together, um, in that short amount of time to circle back to your other part of your question, the terrifier Two, It definitely was challenging. Uh, so we had started production in the fall, I think, October of 2019. And, uh, the first, Shot up the first scene we shot for anybody and I'm not going to spoil anything, so don't worry, but the first thing was actually the whole carnival stuff at the end. That oh,
0: wow. Was, Jeez. Yeah.
1: So talk about jumping in this swimming pool just totally. That's it. There's no dipping your feet in. It was that was the first stuff.
0: Let's ease in. Let's do the technically daunting climactic moments of the film.
1: <laughs> that's what, and you know why? It's because we started in October and it was decorated. Nellie Bly, well, used to be Nellie Bly. Now it's Adventureland or something off the be- off the Belt uh, Parkway. That's where we. That's where that is.
0: That is Nellie Bly. I say, yeah. like this looks familiar. The exterior, that's yeah.
1: The interior is down in Philly, but the exterior, wow. and we built a lot of the sets too upstate. But the interior is. The exterior is Nellie Bly. And so it's all of that. And we were forced into that because it was October and the weather and the fall and the trees. And it was like, okay, we have to shoot this now before the park shuts down for the winter. Oh, so Jesus. it was it was now or never. And um, so, yeah, we started with the really some of the hardest stuff of the film. And then again, we, we shot all the way to March of 2020 and we were almost done. We had just done um, this huge piece involving a lot of people in a TV show situation. Uh, I, don't, I don't want to say more than that. Clown Cafe is all I'll say.
0: Yes. And we Laurie uh, Berkner Band.
1: Right. So we just <laughs> finished that um, segment. And as that segment's happening, all these extras are flying in from all over the country Seattle because a lot of Indiegogo people were involved in that sequence and COVID is just being talked about oh. and of course they're saying it's originating in Seattle and there's like four people from Seattle oh. that just came in <laughs> a ton of people so now it's like oh what's happening again we're in the middle of nowhere we're upstate New York in this town called Canada Joe Harry we literally have no Wi-Fi, no service, no nothing. So we don't really even know what's happening uh, to the extent of it. And we're getting drips and drabs here and there at like the end of the day, like uh, they're shutting down the NBA and the bridges are closing. We're like, what is happening? Tom Hanks has COVID. Finally, we wrap this up and then we find out we have to shut down and we have to go home. We only had a few scenes left to do. And then all of a sudden now we're in this limbo. We can't go back into production. We don't know what the hell's going on. And that really lasted... From March all the way until the end of that summer, and then we said, screw this, we're going to sneak and start shooting (laughs) scenes and just start getting whatever we have to do done. We started doing that, but then of course the time off, Damien Leone decides that uh, he wants to expand upon a certain kill in the film, we'll call it the bedroom scene kill. Oh boy. And then that became a whole new thing, and we added more and more to that, so COVID hurt, but it also helped.
0: Did you have a release date planned earlier uh, that was supposed to be, was it supposed to be released earlier is the question?
1: The hope was, yeah. I mean, we wanted it out by 2021, I think was the goal because we were shooting it, maybe even 2020 if it was possible. But, you know, the whole thing was we always wanted it out sooner than later. COVID, 100% delayed it. But then also you got to remember, as we touched upon, we're a very small crew and Damien's doing all the editing himself. So that also just adds upon the time of like, this is not a Hollywood movie that turns around their film in eight months and then boom, yeah. it's out. Um, so we had those challenges as well, but COVID 100% delayed this thing, you know, probably about a year, a year and a half um, wow. just because of it. Yeah. And then there were other obstacles of, of, of just, we can't certain places are closed. We can't get certain material. And, and, you know, and, but again, it, it all happens for a reason because now look what's happening. So everything,
0: it wasn't, this was the time to release it. Like, honestly. Yeah. I mean, as you know, it's, it's also great to have that extra time in the editing room, you know? I mean, you could really help like really craft your film, like instead of like being under the gun on time, you you got that. Yeah.
1: Throughout the process, Damien was always sending us clips of, of stuff we shot how can I make this better? What do you guys think? Um, you know, he's a very collaborative director. And so he talks with his core group of people that he trusts and, um, you know, we all bounce ideas back and forth and, you know, and then he takes with it what he wants and then makes his decisions. But, uh, you know, it was funny cause there was so long, we just couldn't talk anything about terrifier. And I just kept telling fans that were asking, like, trust us. We put so much into this, like, and I'm very proud of terrifier one. I mean, I'm, I'm in the film and, and what we did there is, is something, you know, very special too on Netflix and and you know, but I kept saying this is so much bigger. This is just so much bigger. It's more in depth. It's more detail. And I can't wait for you guys to see it because now you guys go, oh, I get it now. And, right. and you know, and that hopefully, and I think, is happening where people are seeing just how much work was poured into this thing.
0: Well, a hundred percent, like my thing was that, you know, I heard like you, I, you know, I'd see those blurbs like it's bigger. I'm like, what, it's just going to be more people getting killed. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, not to like, no, it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, sure. I'm sure it is. I'm sure, you know, to the audiences like who haven't seen it, you don't understand. It's on a level that you're not expecting. Was it's there a lot of, scale. what's it's that?
1: It's just a bigger scale. And, and, you know, you mentioned budget earlier, so, you know, there was only 30, 35,000 for the first one. And this one, yes, we had a bigger budget. But it wasn't, it's not like in the millions. It's not in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's still a very, especially the Hollywood standards, a very low budget movie. Um, and we stretched that extra bit of budget we had to its fullest potential. And hopefully then, hopefully then some and more.
0: See, and the thing is getting back to, like we're talking about like traditional production. That's not possible what you guys do because of how rigid they are about the rules. Because they're trying to emulate a style of filmmaking that's designed around having millions of dollars and it it just doesn't work. It just does not scale down properly.
1: They don't, and they don't a lot of, and I've worked with a lot of people on bigger movies that, that worked on bigger movies that had brought us in for our specialty, Fuzz and Lens' specialty of doing lower budget movies and making them look as best they can. And it's, they bring us in to do that, but then they don't understand that process. And it's mm. hard for them to compute that or to understand that because they're like, well, this is not how it's done. Yeah, I get that. That's when you have your millions of dollars, but you brought us in for this money to get it to look like that. And this is how that is done. And, you know, it's it's tough to kind of bridge that gap uh, because they don't they don't understand. They, they And I get it. I mean, listen, I'd love to have all the money in the world to do whatever you want, but it just doesn't always work out that way
0: yeah it's just i've worked on so many films where it's just you guys it's like well we can't do with that it's just not the way it, and that that mentality of just not the way it's done and just so you know every film that i have worked on that did not that broke from that and even like all the films that you hear about that breakthrough did not adhere to that for the most right. part like yeah. they they broke like yeah we can't do it this way because it doesn't work it's not a one-size-fit-all thing No. And, so I don't know why people are so like, well, are trying to be like the big boys. It's like, eh, but, yeah, but that's all right. You got to cheat. You got like some advantages that the big boys don't have. Now, do you guys like do like, do you have like a straight run in production or do you like guys stop and go like, do you guys just like do it piecemeal or do you do like a 21 day shoot or something like that? It's a little
1: bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on the production, so Terrifier, we tried to do that um, to an extent and, but it wasn't a straight run from October to March. Um, because Damien again, and Phil was a lot of the prepping of the VFX was on them. We had an effects team that was supposed to work with us and quit on us literally the week before production.
2: Whoa. So it, went to
1: Damien, it went to Damien all to him again. So, you know, it, it, he has to storyboard and plot and whatever and then we have this stretch of shooting where maybe we'll work for two weeks straight and then he's got to take a month off or, or three weeks off or two weeks off to prep the next stuff for the next set <clears throat> so that's kind of how that worked but but again it was steady it was like we knew okay we're going to work these two weeks or these five days and then take this amount off like we knew the the working day so there was that but then we just finished another film uh, right after Terrifier, still during COVID. We're almost done with it now, but um, we're just in pickup phase called Stream, um, where that was pretty much like a month and a half, two months straight of every day, your typical you know shoot. And now the film has a first rough cut and we're going back into production to kind of just get you know, those extra pickup things. So that was a little more traditional. We did a film down in Georgia called Penance Lane with Tyler Maine. Um, it was his movie, but he brought us on as producers and production company, uh, we shot it in Georgia. That was a 21 day shoot straight through with Scout Taylor Compton and John Schneider and Danny Roebuck, who's now Grandpa Munster and the Munsters. Uh, so we did that more traditionally. Uh, I normal traction was, okay, hey, let's shoot this week, take a little bit off, we'll shoot again when we get ready. And, you know, so it's just we work any way that makes the thing come out good and any way that we can to make it happen.
0: That's great when you guys were casting, looking for art, the clown, did you like put out in like backstage, we need the greatest physical performer, who ever lived. So is anybody, <laughs> anybody available for these dates?
1: <laughs> no, it was, it was, you know, cause Damien had, had his friend, this guy, Mike Janelli, G- uh, he played art, the clown for all holidays. Yeah. And, and then he had another buddy that did it in an, another one of the shorts he did. And so Mike, he wanted to, he wanted him to do it. And the guy, Mike, is not an actor. He never wanted to be an actor. He was just kind of doing this as a favor to Damien. And so Damien had to put it out on backstage or Actors Access or whatever it was. And the story is that after six people coming in, here comes David Howard Thornton. And uh, he did this great physical performance. And all he got was, you know, you're decapitating a man, um, show us. It was just like, and Dave did the creeping up because he comes from a theater background. And uh, it's funny, Dave's a big voiceover guy, like a big, he does a lot of character voices. And so it's funny that what he's known for is a a character that doesn't speak (laughs) at all. Um, But yeah, he did it. And Damien and Phil, they loved it from that moment. And then they tried the prosthetics on him and the rest is kind of history.
0: Yeah, he's really incredible. And what makes a great horror villain for me, and this is why I think these films are successful, is like, well, well, for me, at least, why this is successful for me is the most frightening kind of villain is the one that's really, really enjoying what they're doing. It's because you can't reason with that. Your misery is part of their fun. And right. you can't like that's why Freddy's my favorite. Like movie monster of all time, because it's just like you can't reason with somebody who's having the time of their life while doing this. Another great thing about the film for me was that it doesn't feel like an 80s slasher, it feels like how you remember them, if that <laughs> makes sense. Where you... When,
1: yeah, I understand. I understand what you're saying,
0: yeah. Is you go back a lot of these films, like you watch a film, like, oh my god, Night of the Creeps is like... Oh, not Night of the Creeps, that's a really good movie. Uh, When you watch like a horror film and you go, oh my god, like this is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And you go back and watch, it's like, oh, that don't look good. That doesn't look right. like I remember. It doesn't hold up,
1: right. It's what you... the It's the feelings you felt when you saw eighty Slasher.
0: And more so than any Slasher revival, that this film captures that feeling, that this is crazy. This feels like you're, you feel like you're, you're seeing something naughty and, and I've, that's what's
1: become become in the theaters. Now it's kind of like this. And again, this is all organic. The, the people passing out and fainting in the theaters, the vomiting, the running out, the, that whole thing is just people were putting it on Twitter, showing us, adding us, tagging us. And it's very reminiscent of kind of what was happening, even in like the 1970s with The Exorcist, where it was like, this is so taboo, you can't go see it. It's against the Catholic, you know, Catholicism and the Catholic religion and, you know, and, and don't watch it. And people were sneaking it and the parents say, don't step late and watch. So it has that feel. Yeah. Um, I think that's partly the allure of why um, so many people are saying, I have to go see this now. Yeah, it's actual like word of mouth, which is so rare these days. It is. And it's so hard to replicate. It's so hard to do. And it's the best form of marketing if you yeah. can make it happen. But you, you can't
0: make it. It just has to happen. Ah, and
2: it's lightning in a bottle. And you, you, you this movie caught it.
0: Now, were you, that first weekend happens. Now, I'm sure you have an idea. Like, there's metrics and stuff that people have. Like, well, this should be performed this way. But were you guys taken aback by how well it did? And the second week, of course.
1: Yeah, we really still are. Um, every day we're like, this this, this doesn't happen. This, How is this happening? Um, first of all, just to be in theaters in general is just shocking to us. Like when we found that out, uh, they originally told us it was in a few hundred theaters. It was gonna be a limited run of like a day. And then, you know, that's kind of typical what could happen, you know? And then all of a sudden it was, the theaters were growing and now it's the weekend and then it became popular and now it was a week and now it's two weeks. And now they're probably extending it again. Um, that just doesn't happen, not for, you know, low budget, independent films, and, and especially from guys from Staten Island. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, um, Again,
0: um, the home team guys, you guys deserve a mother moose uh, cake like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and some royal crown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> royal
0: crown.
1: Uh, but yeah, I mean, so we didn't expect it to go that route. I mean, look, we I'd be lying to you if we didn't say we knew we had something special. I'd be lying to you if I didn't say we put our heart, our heart and souls into it and we knew that we had something that could catch. But this fast, this quickly, um, this much, no one could ever predict that. You know, we just knew we put, we put a good product. We were putting a good product out there. And then the rest is really just up to the audience to either kind of accept it and enjoy it or kind of just shoot it back. And, and thankfully, everyone seems to be liking what we did.
0: Oh, oh, God, just, you just reminded me about audience reaction. I watched I, the best part of my screening, and I forgot to tell you about this, Chris, was I listened to a grown man make the most amazing sound <laughs> that I have. never? I, I, I'm going to mute myself for a second. It's during the bedroom scene at, at the basically the 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 punchline, if you will, of the bedroom scene where this guy made a sound. And I'm just give me a second to mute because I'm gonna try to remember. I gotta, and I can only remember by making the sound. So give me a second. Talk amongst yourselves if you want.
2: <laughs>
0: just watch you. Uh,
2: yeah, this is, this is this is what we're here for. <laughs> Get into character. This is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, okay. I, because I, I had to hear it again because I, because I went, I came out of the theater making that noise as a goof because it was so great. Like my reaction was just like, holy shit! And then I heard this man. A couple rows behind me go, ha, 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 ha.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and I never heard that. It's like, whoa, it made the whole theater like get a second wave because it was just such a bizarre sound to hear come he out.
1: just his- coming out of his body. <laughs>
0: yeah, like, it sounded like his soul leaving him.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The responses are just absolutely out of this world.
0: Oh, yeah, it's it's and it deserves it. It's one of those, it's a very special moment, uh, which I was again, you, I was not expecting, I was expecting to enjoy it. I'm like, yeah, I'll probably enjoy it. I, you know, uh, I was actually terrified. Here's my thing because I'm a nervous wreck because you're like our one of our first guests, if not our first guest in the show, depending I'm on, honored. I'm honored. This. Uh, actually, you are your first. This is going to air first. So, uh, and so. My thing is, I have no poker, poker face. Like, what if I, I started texting everybody, what if I don't like the movie? What do I do? I'm afraid. <laughs> and with well, Hank it's like, I don't have no poker face. This would be a very different interview if I didn't like the <laughs> <I> movie. <mean, laughs> yeah,
1: so, uh, 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 yeah, uh, Nellie Bly. Uh, yeah, but,
2: like, Frank, when you were at the theater, like, within, you're like, all right, the movie starting. Where did you, you see
0: it? Where did you see it? uh you the uh the ua theater well it's not the i call it the ua theater it's snow and she's no, oh, oh, okay yeah that's cool. the theater my dad tried to pull that poor man's eyes out of his head one time yeah. <laughs> to see teenage ninja turtles <laughs>
2: so yeah, but yeah. you you texted us like within the movie like it's it's starting I'm, I'm i'm nervous what if i don't like it what are we gonna do eight minutes in he's like i think this movie's fantastic and then we didn't hear from him but the rest of the and then at the end, he's like, All right, listen, run to the theater. You have I to actually see thought he movie. died for a minute. We said, What happened? What happened to him? He stopped the communication, he's gone, ceased. He's gone dark. I think we lost him. <laughs> Another thing about big
0: talking point of the film, uh, is the length, which was like, you know, pe- that was like a thing people told us, like, this movie's clocks in at two hours and 20 minutes, or roughly. And I was like, Wow, what the hell makes this movie a two hour, 20 minute slasher? That's odd, just in case people are worried. If if this movie were a chicken, Rocky's not catching it. This movie moves really goddamn fast. <laughs> it, yeah, the pacing,
1: the pacing is very well done, and and I applaud that to Damien because I was very nervous when I had heard that's what he was going to do. And, and it's funny because I I knew it when we were shooting. And I'm like, this is a lot. This is a lot, and it kept going, and we were shooting forever. And it's like, and I remember when I first read the script, like back in. 2017 2018 whatever that first draft was and it was so much and I'm like wow yeah we probably won't do all this (laughs) we did like everything. (laughs) there's probably one thing in that script that I can remember and I tell this to Damien all the time that we didn't do and it was something so silly it's something so small that it doesn't even matter but it's like we did every single thing he wanted to do and we I'm very proud of how much we executed it but like I said I was very nervous about that runtime. And then when I seen it, I was like, okay, the pacing is there. It works, but it's so unprecedented because I, we I was afraid people weren't going to go see it just by getting scared by seeing the runtime was my thing. I, I wasn't worried once you're there, you're there and, you know, it, it'll move, but it's just that, oh my God, this is going to be two hours and 20 minutes of my life. Uh, uh, pass. You know? Yeah.
0: I wasn't scared. Mm-hmm. I was I, I was just like curious, like what makes this two hours and 20 and you know even like if i'm playing monday morning quarterback it's like i don't know what you pull you don't pull it like there's nothing i could see that you pull out it all works and again it's just one of those things where art the clown's not on not on screen you're still being entertained by a really good movie by a really great cast uh specifically lauren lavera is amazing as sienna
2: yeah
0: and be prepared to be at horror conventions and seeing every girl cosplayer for the next i don't know That's forever tough.
1: They just, I just saw the first one. Um Someone sent it to us at oh, uh, monster Palooza or something. I, I don't remember the con it was, but uh, yeah. And the girl did a really good job. And that's something I know casting wise that, my brother, Jason, had a very heavy hand, and he was the casting director for A Terrifier 2. Mm. Um, and he worked very closely with Damien on getting the cast where it needed to be. And, and the two of them, I think, knocked it out of the park with everybody that was brought on production as far as acting goes.
0: I could have just watched that domestic drama between her her mom, her, her mom, who's uh, played by... Sarah Voigt who is excellent. Like their dynamic is fantastic. It's like, I could watch this movie about this, this daughter coming to terms with losing her father, light spoiler. And uh, the relationship, I love the younger brother because that kid was so me, just a little creepy kid. Who's obsessed with gore? Who's like you know, and who's like watching Faces of Death when he shouldn't? And it's it just Damien. like that's
1: all Damien right there. That's literally him. I, I said, "Them, this is you, you sick fuck."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a monster kid, and it's just like if I had grown up this time, if I had grown up now, that's that's what I'd be like, basically, just like looking the most like like shit. Like now as an adult, I'm like, uh, oh, I don't like seeing anybody even like stub a toe, but like then I would have been me. Terrifier is Jericho because you got Chris Jericho in the film.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. And he was great to work with. And um, he, that just, again, he was a fan of the first one and he was really a, a huge kind of force as to why that film became popular. Like every day he would talk about it on his podcast and he really gave it glowing reviews. And he was, he was a cheerleader for Terrifier 1. So he had talked with Damien. The opportunity came for him to be in Terrifier 2 could he? And, um, Damien's, yeah, I mean, of course. So, uh, that was something really surreal that, that came, that came really out of nowhere organically because he was just a fan.
0: You also Felisa Rose shows back up who who's been showing up in a lot of stuff lately. Good for her. I'm glad to see her like around again. Cause I'm a huge Sleepaway camp fan and yeah, she's
1: awesome. She's, she's a sweetheart. She's become such a great friend of ours. And, uh, we just cast her in, um, in stream. We have a ton of, uh, it's the whole Terrifier crew. Producers were doing this other film that I'm directing, um, and uh, she's in that with a ton of horror icons, from Jeffrey Combs to Daniel, <gasps> Tim Reed, Tony Todd. Uh, oh my god! Yeah, it's. A, I don't want to. There's some people that I'm not allowed to talk about, but uh, it's. I don't want to say. Uh, Mark Holton from Leprechaun is in it. Dee Wallace. Oh wow! Um,
2: wow. And,
1: yeah, yeah. So that one, we we're almost wrapped out of. This is the one I was talking about. The pickups that we're doing now. Um, so yeah so the whole terrifier crew Dam- Damien Leone does the uh, does all the effects so you know it's going to deliver on the gore and um, <laughs> we're excited for that one to come out next
0: now this is uh, getting back to the effects is that is the first time I've seen a movie in a long time where I went how the fuck are they doing that in regards to oh that like spoil like not spoil people get killed in this movie Uh <laughs> But there's a couple of heads maybe removed. I'm just saying. And there's a few times where I'm like, it must be that trick where it's just like, it's a false bottom. And it's actually the actor with their head under like a false floor. And it's like, no. And then they pick it up. And I'm like, that's the most realistic. Like when you watched Total Recall, and Stan Winston's work in that is incredible. But you can tell when it turns into an animatronic Schwarzenegger head when he's pulling that thing out of his nose and he's making those weird jerky motions. Ah, so, <laughs> <laughs> But in this it's it's seamless. A lot of it uh, where I'm like looking, I'm like, especially in the eyes, because that's usually the giveaway. The eyes are like so insane. Now, that's all Damien, like m- crafting that stuff
1: yep the old wow
0: jesus christ he is,
1: he is the effects guru he's the new tom savini i can't give him enough praise he does it pretty much all himself with phil falcone who's um i mean this was a wall street guy who his dream was to become a producer and damien's teaching him the effects and he's the executive producer on Fire. both of those guys i mean heroes and just hard working and you know the two of them are working on the effects and doing it in the basement pouring molds and 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 foam and latex and it's just unbelievable. It's all practical. There's very little CG in Terrifier one and two. Um, you know, and, and you know, the CG stuff you probably won't even be able to tell because it's mixed with practical. Yeah,
0: um, I don't I don't see the seams at all. Like and I'm just sitting there, I like, I don't know how they're doing that. Like yeah. it's it's Audrey two level, which is I always consider the hallmark of best practical effects. It's Audrey two level effect work. wow uh, It's it no, this movie is going to be. You have to rehab the we redo the conversation of what's the best gore scenes ever on film. Like, like it's it's on that level. Like, you see a lot of gore in films, like a lot lately, but it's like, this is oh wow, we've hit a new plateau. We've hit a new like we've hit a new plateau of like what we're able to do. And I've never seen anything like it. Real quick before we let you get, uh, you wear a lot of hats. What's your favorite? Producer, directing, acting.
1: Uh, I, so I, was, I, I think acting is the most fun, um, because you're just playing and and you know finding characters and stuff. Uh, I think the best thing I do is uh directing. That's probably my most that I that I probably like to do most um because i feel I'm, I'm the best at it producing is fun too but producing is really tough uh and it's it's a lot of just monotonous things that you know you don't always love it's paperwork I, it's I, a lot I, of paperwork yeah I, and i hate being an ad but i i was i was the assistant director on terrifier 2 um and that i loathe being just because everyone usually hates the ad yeah <laughs>
0: you're <laughs> you the know? guy who has to crack the whip on time
1: i am and, I am, and what sucks is that i i I have that director's mentality and that's the guy everyone's supposed to love. And then you have the AD that you're supposed to be. So maybe that's the reason why we took three years. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so I, it's all has its positives and it all has its negatives. But if someone was to put a gun to my head and say, you can only do one, I'd probably pick acting. Although I'd probably be better to say do directing because I mean, the two are interchangeable to me.
0: Actually, my favorite thing is always editing is because that's where I... I mean
1: that's where yeah editing is so much fun just because you see it come to life and it's the least stressful because now you don't have to deal with like everything else it's just there it is it's you and the footage and you see it come to life so but it's funny i go through stages it's like now i've been editing so much i'm just like i want to go back to writing mm. um and then eventually that happens you're like i want to shoot and then the shoot happens like oh, i just want to edit and see it and it's like i want to come out so it's just you start loving and hating and it goes through these phases <laughs>
2: yeah
1: you're
0: never happy no, <laughs> that's
1: the moral that's of the story. More, <laughs> You'll never be happy. Never
0: happy. <laughs> well, I don't know what else. Does anybody else have any questions?
1: I was curious because most of the good movies I've seen this year are horror movies, and it seems like full genres are kind of starting to die out. Whereas horror feels as healthy as it's maybe ever been. Do you feel a general creative freedom working in horror? I do. The- I, I, I do, and I think the reason why. People love to get scared. People have loved to get scared since the beginning of time. I think one of the first movies that were really ever released were, or at least stories, they were horror stories. These fairy tale stories were meant to scare kids to be mm-hmm. good. And I think that there's a, that just kind of is in us. It's innate in us. We've always been curious about that. And that's why it's kind of lasted so long. And I think that's why we'll always be around and always be strong. And also because you can make low budget, cheap horror films and you have a shot at getting them out there. Um, where people aren't expecting you to be the next Avengers, you know? And, and for filmmakers, it's like a back door into the business. And creatively, you have so much you can do because it's kind of all accept, accepting, you know? It's like, oh, it's a horror movie, yeah, of course. And, and you can kind of try things out as a filmmaker, as a creative, um, you could take chances and risks, whereas you might not be able to do that in another genre. Um, and again, you really have the most fun, I think, because the subject matter is so tense that you're just waiting to laugh and waiting to have a good time outside of that. Mm. You know, comedies are the hardest things to make. The sets are miserable. You're never laughing. You're <laughs> and I like making comedies, but like you're never laughing because you everything on screen is supposed to be laughing and behind the scenes is serious horror. Everything on screen is horrific, but behind the scenes, you're, you're having a ball and you're constantly laughing and then almost wishing it was a comedy. So you can do the stupid stuff that you just thought of, but mm-hmm. you know, right. that's my kind of thought on the whole thing.
2: Yeah. It makes sense.
0: Well, sir, this has been great. Uh, I could talk to you all day, but I, I, yeah, I'm sure you're busy. But this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We'd love to have you on again if you would like.
2: Uh,
1: Absolutely, just... yeah. Honored to be here. I'm happy to talk with you guys. And and it was fun. And, and
0: I'm honored to be your first guest. That's, uh, yeah. that's- it's a big yeah. deal. It's
2: a big deal. <laughs> yeah. So, <all> right.
0: <laughs> Awesome! We'll come, we'll come by. Let's we'll get something from Alfonso's
2: pastry shop. We'll get. Some yeah. nice yeah.
1: awesome. Everybody else watching this, that's not yeah. from Staten Island. About. Yeah, yeah. What are they talking? This so Staten Island.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Stop by Aunt Butchie's. We'll have a nice.
0: Aunt yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh well, okay. thank you so much, sir. Have a great day. You could check out Terrifier Two in theaters right now. Also, check out Ab. Abnormal Attractions at Plex, Voodoo, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Google Play, Apple TV, Tubi. And for my buddy, Marcus, you could check out the dark offerings on Amazon Prime. Thank you so much. And one
1: thing to plug for you, too. Uh, please, if anybody, I just realized this, our Indiegogo campaign for uh, which Terrifier was partly run uh, funded through Indiegogo. That stream movie I'm talking about, we left that Indiegogo open for anybody who might be interested in jumping on board with the project with all those names I mentioned, Jeffrey Combs and so on and so forth, Daniel Harris. It's actually open. So if you search stream on Indiegogo, you can learn more about it, um, even if it's just curiosity onto what's going on. So, you know, you can see that or through Fuzz and Lens um, anywhere on social media. So, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Check out uh, cool. their website, fuzzonthelens.com and uh, their social media. Yeah. Oh. Thank you so much. And this uh, for Zoning Out podcast, I'm Frank Bonacci. Chris Feinstein. John Sachs. Michael (laughs) Levy. Justin left, I guess. Thank you so much, buddy.
1: Thank you guys for having me. Congrats
2: again on your success. Congratulations.